I'm Jen Schrader, and this is Behind the Springs, conversations with the people working for you in Colorado Springs, Olympic City, USA. Hi, everyone. Just last month, Colorado Springs Mayor John Southers nominated Adrian Vasquez to serve as the chief of police for the Colorado Springs Police Department. And I am really excited to have the chief as my guest on the podcast today. Chief, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thank you. And I know that you'll enjoy hearing from him. Um, Let me give you a little background on the chief's impressive career, as I'm sure he won't brag quite like I will. Right. But I want to brag about you. (laughs) (laughs) So he joined the department in 1995 after serving in the U.S. Air Force for more than nine years. He served in the Sand Creek Division, the Metro Vice Narcotics and Intelligence Division and on the DEA Task Force. And he was promoted to lieutenant in 2011, where he served in patrol before transferring to the violent crime section, where he oversaw the homicide, assault, robbery, and victim advocacy units. Vasquez was promoted to the rank of commander in 2016 and was transferred to the Specialized Enforcement Division the following year. In April of 2019, he was promoted to deputy chief, where he oversaw the Patrol Operations Bureau and later became the deputy chief of the Operations Support Bureau. So more to the police department than you may know about. Um, He holds a Bachelor of Science degree in sociology from CSU and master's degree in criminal justice from UCCS. And we thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. it. So you've been on the job. Let's see how long. So I've been with CSPD. It'll be 27 years in July. Wow. Wow. What a career. Yeah, it's been a fun ride and uh, I've enjoyed every bit of it. You couldn't have maybe predicted this, huh? No, no. It would have been hard to. I still uh, uh, talk to to the old narcs I I, uh, worked with in in VNI and we were like, who would have thought this, right? Right. (laughs) But uh, it's been a great uh, and enjoyable career so far. That's awesome. And so you have been chief for just a little bit here. Yeah. Just getting going. Just getting going. Um, so so tell me about, you know, given your long history, what it means to become chief and lead the department um, and after having all those different roles and experiences. You know, I, I think for me, a large part of it was not really uh, understanding or thinking about this so so many years ago. I, I think about all of the years I spent in those different units that you talked about. And just how fortunate I was to be in every one of them. I loved every job I've ever had. And and so the people that I've worked with over the years are why this organization is such a great organization. So when I got promoted to deputy chief, I was thinking, my gosh, this is just amazing. And and, uh, I'm really happy right here. So when the opportunity for chief came along, I really didn't. Um, you know, think that that was uh, a realistic uh, option, but boy, um, I'm just so pleased to be here and honored to, to continue serving this this city. And it's interesting that the chief you replaced, Vince Niski, had a similar story where he had been with the department for many years as well. And I feel like sat, you know, in your seat telling me the same thing, that he really never necessarily aspired and planned on being chief, but was so excited when it happened. Yeah, Chief Niski and I, uh, we our, our careers crossed a lot. We spent both spent a lot of years in, in narcotics and and uh, in SED and other areas. So we do have a very similar path on this organization. And I, he and I have talked about this often about not really aspiring to this position. But um, he was certainly a mentor of mine, and as was uh, uh, Chief Carey. And and uh, you know just having them to, to rely on a little bit to talk to has been really beneficial, but, uh, 
Um, I, I agree. Who we're, would have thought? Well, we're pretty <laughs> lucky to have folks who have such deep roots in the city and just, I would imagine, a love for the community. Tell us about your background and are you from here originally or? Yeah, so I, I was born and raised in Colorado. My, my father was a state trooper, so I was born in the San Luis Valley around Alamosa. Um, he beautiful. Moved this beautiful area, yeah. cold in the right. wintertime. It's, uh, it's cold, but uh, he moved us to Castle Rock, uh, was his first posting, and then um, I graduated high school in Pueblo. Uh, so you've been a little military. bit all over. Yeah. A little bit all over. I've got family all over the state. Uh, coming out of the military, I actually went to work for U.S. Treasury as a police officer for two years and, and really wanted to get back to Colorado and, and uh, you know, to the to CSPD really is the only place I applied uh, for a local organization and uh, and just have enjoyed, like I said, almost 27 years here. Wow, that's awesome. So you do you do definitely have some deep Colorado roots and um, so tell us a little bit about what are your goals and priorities for our police department. Um, you, you explain a little bit, if you can, as you talk about those, the makeup of the department. You know, some people don't realize mm-hmm. you know, how many sworn, how many civilian employees, and, and kind of who you're overseeing, and then what direction you're hoping to take, take sure. us. So we have almost 1,200 uh, authorized positions uh, within CSPD, and about 803 of those are uh, the, on the sworn side and the rest are on the civilian side. Of the 803 on the sworn side, we're sitting somewhere about 773 officers right now, which doesn't sound like we're too far off from that authorized strength. You know, we're somewhere around 25 or 26 under that authorized strength. But we have to realize that uh, 45 of those are in the academy, so they're not out on the street working. And then another 64 um, are on the street, but they're still in field training. Um, So they're not on their own. So that gives you an idea that we're uh, about a a little over 100 below our authorized strength of actual sworn working by yourself officers. And that includes uh, the chief position all the way down uh, to, um, you know, to the officers on the street. Uh, So one of my biggest priorities is making sure that we recruit and retain as best we can to get up to those authorized strengths because our officers need that support. They need the uh, backup on the streets. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that affects the, the, the strength, the amount of officers that we have on the streets affects how many calls for service we can answer and how quickly we can get uh, to those calls for service and which have to hold for longer periods of time. So the customer service piece of it, the safety of our community is critically important. It's my number one goal is uh, the recruiting and retention. On the civilian side is the same thing. Our comm center which is the first link to our, our uh, community, those phone calls uh, asking for help come in through the comm center. Yeah, so um, when people hear, you know, civilian, yeah. you know, think you're, think those 911 dispatchers Absolutely. and, yeah, and they are just critical. They're critical. They're, they're taking in that information that get, get our officers not only the needed information, they need to be safe and to protect uh, the citizen that's in need of help. Um, but the, the call takers uh, are then translating that information over to the dispatchers and getting those officers going. And so without being at full strength, they're also, um, you know, same impact. It shortens or, or increases actually our call answer times and our dispatch times. Um, so our comm center from a civilian perspective is my number one uh, concern and goal from a recruiting and retention perspective. And and what what are your thoughts about recruiting at this point? I think everyone's aware of the, of the national concern, but how do you get creative in that area? Yeah, I think we're doing a couple things uh, just, uh, uh, you know, off the top of my head right now. We're, first of all, we're changing how we're doing our academies. 
one of the problems or where we would lose people in our recruiting uh, and hiring process is that it took so long. It was about 11 months by, from the point you put your application in to going through the background and all the testing process and then waiting for the, the actual opening and the start of the academy took a long time and people were seeking other jobs. They needed to work today, not in 11 months. So you'd uh, lose them in the process. So you'd lose them in the process. Yeah. Um, starting uh, here in our, our next recruiting process, so it'll be for the July 23 Academy, um, it's going to be a continuous hiring process. So uh, you'll be able to put your application in 365 days a year. And if you miss the start date of one academy, you can still apply and you'll know when the next one is. And there'll be shorter, smaller academies um, which allows us to, to leapfrog, leapfrog and overlap academies. And because of that, the wait time decreases um, from, from almost almost four months. And that's a significant amount of time that people don't have to wait for a position to open and they're not looking for another job. So that's one thing I think that's going to be tremendously beneficial um, for our organization. Yep. Well, and beneficial to everyone because you're getting officers out there quicker. Getting officers out there quicker and, right. and more frequently. So there'll be smaller classes but we'll get them through, mm -hmm. you know, we'll get them out on the streets quicker. So that I'm really uh, excited about. Um, the other thing is we have been engaging with our military population. We have five military installations here, um, and we've been engaging with them, but I don't think we were aware until recently. Uh, uh, Jesse Kimber uh, with the city helped us out, and she liaisons with all the uh, military installations, and I don't think we realized the, the level of integration programs that the military has. And so through her assistance, we're engaging with the military on a level that we've never had before on both our sworn and civilian side. So we have a lot of military spouses or a lot of military themselves that don't necessarily want to be police officers. They want to work, but they want to leave a, a service-oriented career and go into another service-oriented career. So like someone else I know, you, yeah, right? Like, we just yeah, introduced exactly. your background, but right. that is very common. Absolutely. So those are two things that we're doing uh, as well as other recruiting efforts and how we go about, um, you know, paying for ad pop-ups and those kinds of things where we, um, where we uh, place our ads uh, using social media heavily, those kinds of things. Yeah, because as you said, it really is – the people who make your department so wonderful. Absolutely. So you want to keep recruiting that same caliber. Yes, absolutely. Um, other priorities as, as you move forward uh, besides recruiting, it seems like an obvious one, but, and obviously yeah. safety, but what are some other, um, you know, things on your radar immediately and then perhaps long-term? Yeah. So long-term, especially we're looking at city growth. I think um, you've probably had some discussions with the mayor or with other folks about just how big our city is going, growing. Um, you know, from a staffing perspective, of course, that feeds right into the number one priority. But we also have to think about logistical things like buildings. You know, where are we going to respond out of where are our officers going to to go to substations? Uh, evidence, for example, how big uh, of an evidence annex do we need to store uh, evidence for a bigger population? There's a lot of logistical things that we need to be thinking about for long-term growth. Um, uh, obviously, number one priority is the safety of our citizens, but the, the logistical and infrastructure pieces of growth of a city uh, long term for how big we're protected to grow is it, you have to be thinking about those things right now. And just how spread out, just, spread out we are. Absolutely. Our call, you know, how, how much travel time does it take in a city that's growing and, and traffic is our number one uh, complaint here in the city. And we all know why we all drive and, and get frustrated at traffic, right? 
Um, so if you think about that from a police officer's perspective, they're still trying to get through that same traffic to somebody who's in dire need of, of assistance. So we have to really be considering long-term working with um, you know, our streets folks, working with uh, all of our city entities to make sure that from a public safety perspective, we're, be, we're able to respond appropriately um, to our citizens' needs. Um, so that's one other uh, thing that's really on my mind and, and, and that my staff is planning for. Um, and then uh, the, probably the, the next biggest thing in, in, in my, on my mind is, is community engagement. Um, community engagement is huge. You know, we have trust building efforts that have been going on for quite some time. You and I went out to the, to the gym with Coach out there for the PAL program. Uh, with yes. the mayor, things like that. that if are, people don't know exciting. about the PAL program, it's awesome. Hopefully they've listened to the podcast, but Hopefully. if not, look it up. It's a wonderful opportunity for youth yeah. and for connection. Connection with youth has got to be one of our biggest priorities for future growth, right? For future um, forecasting of how we engage with our citizens. And recruiting, right, Chief? Recruiting. Because, I mean, yes. it really translates, hopefully, throughout their life, not only to build trust with officers, but also to say, I could be an officer. Absolutely. You know, to see a, a female officer, a young girl, to say, I could do that, or that could be me someday. Uh, and that's something that I want to aspire to. So it, I would think it would benefit you on so many levels. Absolutely. So the trust building efforts we start um, for um, just, you know, interacting with our minority communities or in, interacting with, uh, you know, our faith-based communities to build those trust efforts. But also it is a great way to recruit. We want to mirror the community we serve. Um, you know, that equity, diversity, inclusion piece of public service is incredibly important. Uh, and for us to be able to recruit into our minority communities at a greater level should be a priority for any chief of police. And it certainly is for me. Yes, that's really important. Play COS is a really fun program that you all have going where you bring sports equipment out to youth. And uh, I know that that's um, if, if anyone out there follows Colorado Springs police on social media, you've seen some of the really cool pictures of some of your officers playing with the kids. And it seems like such a simple act, but can go so very far Absolutely. In, in that community relations piece. Yeah. And it's great for the officers too. You know, officers have a very stressful job. And so for them, you know, certainly it's part of it is that connection with it, with a kid. Part of it is what do they get out of it, you know, something internal that, that is really satisfying. So that's important. Well, speaking of recruiting, I know one of the misconceptions is that if you are a police officer, you're pulling people over for speeding and that's about it. And of course, there are many divisions and I know people have a sort of a high level understanding of that, but there are so many different opportunities as evidenced just by your career and your experiences. Do you have any that stand out for you in terms of your jobs or maybe funny stories or experiences um, that, you know, that you would be willing to share? Absolutely. So we do have a lot of divisions. So we have nine divisions, one of them being our communication center and then four patrol divisions and, and then uh, several other uh, investigative kind of divisions. Um, you know, I spent 14 or not 14, I spent almost 11 years in narcotics. And obviously for me to spend that much time there, I must have loved the job. And I, I can't tell you how much satisfaction and joy I just had really in that job. I, I uh, you know, worked a lot of undercover work. I, I had a canine, a drug canine that was in my car with me 24-7. Sounds that, dangerous. Yeah, to me. he was. <laughs> well, it was a lot of fun. And I, I just, there's story after story that uh, that come to my mind where, you know, uh, I just really, in, you know, just helped me enjoy that job tremendously. And I, it's probably the fondest 
point in my career. What was rewarding about it or, or, or I guess the highlight of it? Yeah, I think probably for me, one of the reasons I, I, I gravitated and loved toward the job and loved the job so much is that it was so proactive. A lot of policing is very reactive, right? You have a crime that occurs and then you re- react to that crime. Um, but part of the, uh, especially as, as uh, you know, whether working street level crimes, uh, drug crimes, or with the DEA task force, you're really seeing what the investigation is going to unfold. And based on your actions and what you, um, you know, kind of what you can chip away at is, is where the investigation goes. So it's very proactive. You can get very creative and, and kind of determine um, how that investigation, you know, it's, it's not a set path necessarily. So um, I found that to be very interesting to me because of that proactive nature of that type of investigation. Well, I know we don't have time to go down a rabbit hole, but I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts about the fentanyl crisis as oh, well. Absolutely, yes. Right? It's just, um, it's overwhelming. It is overwhelming. I mean, it truly is uh, the deadliest uh, drug that we've had on our streets to this time, to this point. And it wasn't like that when you were there. It even. wasn't. I mean, you had methamphetamine was the big, you know, was the big uh, drug. Heroin wasn't even as big as it is now with, you know, the opiates, fentanyl being an opiate, really have taken over. Um, and the, um, you know, the, the drugs that are synthetic like uh, fentanyl, uh, those man-made sort of synthetic drugs are, are proving to be some of the most devastating to our citizens uh, and of great concern, obviously. Cheap to produce. The uh, people selling those make a lot of money on those drugs. And such and, a challenge uh, for your folks that are... And mm-hmm. it's deadly. It is truly one of the most deadly drugs we've ever seen yeah. on our streets. It will be interesting to see what happens. I know that there's a lot moving through yeah. um, in terms of legislation, but that's a, definitely a challenge for your department. So what um, additional messages do you have? Um, we don't want to take up too much of your time, but for the public, about police officers, about your department, obviously we want people to go and learn more about what you all do. We encourage people to follow um, Colorado Springs Police on social media. ColoradoSprings.gov slash police is a great resource and a starting point for people what, what are some messages and thoughts you want to leave the public with just in terms of, you know, how we're doing today and, and what, what the future looks like? Sure. Well, and first I would, I would ask that the, the public, if you have an interest, and you, you mentioned the websites, go to the website because you can learn about our divisions, you can learn about our command staff and about our officers and what, where, where the divisions are and what they all do. But there's also a data hub on there that you can look at crime stats, you can look at our demographics, you can look at our, our arrest or our traffic um, information. There's so much information there on our data hub um, that would be re- very beneficial if you have questions, you're probably going to find the answer there. And that goes back to some of what you were talking about with community relations and just transparency, which I know has been a conversation around the country, but has definitely been a conversation here locally as well. Absolutely. And it's one of the big pushes that, that I have. Transparency is obviously key to trust building, right? So that is something you'll see our data hub growing. You'll see our, our the information that's on our site growing um, because that transparency is critically important to that trust building effort. And that's important to me. Um, what I would tell the public, and, and this is, I think, so important. I think it's a missed piece uh, about our employees as a whole. And, and I think we think of sworn most often. 
but we are part of this community. I've lived in this community for 27 years. I shop at the same place that you shop at. Um, you know, I walk my dog just like you walk your, your dog, and we want our kids to be safe, and we want to feel safe walking down the street or driving down the street. Um, we are part of this community just like everybody else. So we are, you know, there is a passion and a desire to make Colorado Springs the, the safest place it can be. Um, certainly that's because uh, the service that we want to provide our community and our citizens, but it's also our family that's that's driving around, our kids that are driving around this city. So we do this um, for all of us and, and for ourselves. Um, and we're just human, just like everybody else. And that would be the number one message I would want to send to the citizens. To keep that in mind. Absolutely. Right. No matter what your interaction may be. But even if you haven't had much of an interaction, I agree with you that that website is a great place to start mm -hmm. and to sort of investigate and learn and educate yourself about what the police department does. And then if you still have questions, you know, you can always reach out and ask those. Um, and I, I just think the social media is really a great place where you can stay informed on a day-to-day -day basis of what's going on, what types of incidents are you responding to, and what does the public need to know. It's a safe, you know, account to follow in terms of your own safety and then awareness of what the department is is doing every day. And, and you know, the other option, if you want to see firsthand what's happening, then think about doing a ride-along. Yes. They can go out to our patrol divisions and, and uh, citizens can sign up for a ride along and go for four hours. Those are very interesting officers. and eye opening. Absolutely. So, you know, that really gives you a good perspective on what our officers face every single day. And it's an, an awareness piece uh, so that you can talk to other citizens more in, in a more informed manner. Right. Well, thanks for joining us Absolutely. and thank Definitely. you for sticking around CSPD for all these years because we're happy to have you in the top job and excited to see what's next. I appreciate so. that. I'm excited. I'm, I'm just really happy to be in this position. Okay. Well, we'll have you back soon and okay. hopefully, and you can keep us posted. And we um, just want to plug that one last time, coloradosprings.gov slash police. It's a great website, a good start. And thank you so much for listening to Behind the Springs. Please rate this podcast, share it with your best buddy. Tune in next time for another great conversation. And thanks so much for being a fan for Behind the Springs.